Hello, and welcome to StartCast. Today, I am talking with Dan Hepner. What's up, dude? How's it going? Hey, look, before we get into anything else, right off the top of the gate here, I uh, I want to respond to something, a story that you shared with Scott Studio a couple <laughs> episodes ago. <laughs> I love it. Yes, please. Right off the top, because I was like, ah, right. So, yeah, you told it. Or retell the story briefly. <laughs> okay, Lindsay and I are doing circles and, like, starting to lose our minds, but, like, I'm trying to maintain my cool. We're just looking for a place to park during C2E2 this year. And we showed up. Oh, fuck. It was probably between 10 or noon. And, man, it was a goddamn zoo. And the auxiliary parking, there were all these signs directing you down the road away from the con. And then there was a big left turn you had to make. And we didn't know if we wanted to be in there or not. So we just kind of slowed to a stop because we weren't in that turning lane. And we were contemplating, should we be in this turning lane? And I look over and, and see someone losing their fucking mind in line. And it was you. And I, we rolled down our windows and commiserated for a moment. And it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, so look, here's the thing. I'm normally a very patient guy. I usually go with the flow, and it's usually, you know, for a lot of circumstances, hard to get me bothered and frustrated. And then, as you said uh, with Shooty, having a five star meltdown, <laughs> which I did. And I'm, I'm not going to argue, I was having a possibly six star meltdown by that point. Um,. But, like, driving is the one thing that I just have very little tolerance for. And it's not because of the usual ins and outs. It's, like, living in the big in Chicago, a big city, we constantly have construction, we constantly have traffic, we constantly have dumb people doing dumb shit on the road. And I have little tolerance for that kind of just stupidity. Or, in the case of the C2E2 situation, clearly the you know staff or local police, whoever's in charge of the parking situations for it, had, once the main three lots were full, had no idea what the fuck they were doing. And nobody was taking control of the situation. Because when you rolled up on me, I was already in that exact same spot, maybe 10 feet ahead of where I was when I first came to a full stop for over half an hour at that point. Oh, Jesus. That's how bad that was. Yeah, you were contemplating, should we get in that lane? No, because I left that lane like <laughs> shortly after you guys because like, I couldn't take it anymore. I, yeah, I was losing my shit. But it's like driving... Uh, my co-host on the uh, Leftover Army Monsters, uh, Amanda, she can t- she can attest to. She about a month or so ago, she came up here for a uh, music festival for a weekend, and I decided to go with her because why the fuck not? And like she can attest, you know, she's been in the car with me driving now. That like I don't have patience for stupid on the road, and Chicago is like ninety five percent stupid on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get that many people, and they all need to get on these same arteries and 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 go. You know, sometimes just short distances, but it's the only way to do it. Man, it can take a short trip and turn it into a really extended period of time in the car. It's it's just fucking crazy. You know, I, yeah, I, right. I live in a small town, so like my closest big city is Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and it's the second most populous city in Iowa, but it's still really goddamn small. I mean, you might have, like, brief moments of traffic congestion on, on I-380, which is, like, the, the big highway that kind of goes up from, um, well, runs north and south off of 80. And a lot of people have traveled on 80 through Iowa. Um, not much to see on 80. but <laughs> Not here either. I mean, 80 runs, like, pretty much coast to coast almost. Yeah, I think so. I, it's just one of those ones where, you know, a lot of people have been like, oh, yeah, I've been through Iowa. It was all flat and cornfields. It's like, it sure is from 80, man. 
It is some boring shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it really is. I've never been on 80, not for very long through Iowa, but I, for a period of time, in like 2011 to 2012, I lived in Colorado for about a year, and I made the trip. Like, it's literally, you take here in Chicago, you get on 80, which is like where I was living at the time, maybe 15 minutes away, and then you're on it for about 14 hours. Yep, yep. <laughs> and you go through the rest of Illinois, where there's nothing. You go through, what the fuck is next to Illinois? Uh, Iowa. Yeah. What's nothing? You go through Oklahoma, where there's nothing. And then you get into Colorado, and until like you hit, you go off of 80 and you get on to 76, which heads southwest uh, into Denver, which is where I was. And that's maybe an hour. But yeah, 80, 80 is the worst fucking highway ever. <laughs> yeah, I think that was Nebraska you meant there. You said Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said Oklahoma. Yeah, Nebraska. I, I've never done that drive through Nebraska, but I've heard that it is painfully flat. It, like, you get... It's, it's deceitful if you're going east to west because... You start off, and there's uh, Omaha, and then there's Lincoln, Nebraska, about a half hour after that. So it's like, oh, a city, and then a you know smaller but still a decent-sized city. And then there's nothing. <laughs> I had a friend that uh, coined people from Omaha as Omahobbits, and it's always stuck in my head, and I love it. Yeah, it's definitely some Shire territory out there. <laughs> Some Shire territory. I have a friend that lives in like a, a bunker style house where it's like just the front of it is the only thing that sticks out of the side of a hill and all the rest of it is all underground. So I'm I'm assuming he has a nice healthy tan throughout the year. <laughs> it, like uh, the, the, the side that faces out is facing south. So it's like all his windows are very sun soaked. But uh, it, it's a fucking cool place, man. He, he pretty much gutted the thing. And then redid all of it in, um, he was a drywall finisher for years. And so he did lots of like decorative, like cement work and stuff And it. It's, and he ran it all like led lighting through everything. And it goes through like uh, backup batteries and like a utility room to where like, basically he can run all of his lights and stuff for two weeks of power outage without even turning on a generator. He was telling me. Damn. Yeah, it's fucking dope. And he did all his counters and concrete and shit, too. So, I mean, it, it is kind of a hobbit house, but it's like a high-tech hobbit house. Yeah, I always appreciate, like, off-the-beaten-path, like, houses or homes like that. You know, again, here in Chicago, and I work as a, a exterminator, so I'm going into people's houses all the time, all day, every day. And they're all, at least in Chicago, they're all the same. You know, you get to an urban or a suburban area, it's like the same five or six different like architectural designs and the only difference is how people have de decorated on the inside it's all just the same boring shit and generic you know <laughs> here's where the bathroom is like the bathroom's always in the same place the the kitchen's always on the same side and the stairs always are on the same side and it's super boring well especially if you're going into like one of those like modern housing development subdivisions i mean those places just feel so cutty cookie cutter and soulless I couldn't imagine yeah. spending as much money as it takes to buy one of those houses and being like, and this is where I live. These are all my neighbors around me. It's like, that makes me feel so claustrophobic. Like, I'd rather live in the middle of nowhere. 
I mean, to be fair, I live in one of those kind of developments now. You know, I just bought a, I just bought a townhouse a couple months ago. And it, it, look, I've never been a person to meet or mingle with neighbors. I don't care about them, and they don't care about me. So let's just, you know, if I happen to see you walking down the street or whatever, just wave. But, you know, that's that's about it. I'm not going to come over for, like, a fucking, I don't know, canasta night or whatever shit. <laughs> Whatever normal people do. If anybody's been keeping track, this is the first time Canasta has been brought up on Starkcast. Yes. <laughs> That's a record. Fuck yeah. <laughs> We're trendsetters over here. <laughs> so what took you to Colorado for a little while? Um, just need to get the fuck away. You know, I've lived in Chicago my entire life. I spent a year going to school in South Carolina where I, you know, summarily failed out of because I... Didn't realize or forgot the fact that in college you have to go to class and then pass that class. <laughs> it is important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a freshman year and, you know, I had a very, I didn't really go out. I never partied in high school or anything till like the last couple months of the senior year. So I was never a big social person. Go figure, right? You look at me you're like, oh yeah, he seems like a, you know, person who hangs out with the jocks on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, college was just, you know, I got far away from my parents and just fucking, you know, four years of not being a social person in high school all came out all at once, you know, in one year period. And uh, go figure, it uh, didn't go so well. <laughs> when you were going, what what were you pursuing? Uh, at the start, I was pursuing engineering, but it was kind of something that I just fell into it was something that like i had taken some classes for but it wasn't necessarily like something i was passionate about and so that fell off the the, the way really quickly and then it was just a matter of do i pass any classes mm, couple <laughs> yeah i think i think our system in the united states is fucked up in that you take a junior in high school and you set them down with the guidance counselor and they have a talk about what that kid's going to do for a career for the rest of his life yeah, you're 16, 17 years old, depending on when you were born in the school year. And yeah, you get to sit down and you have to start making life decisions. It's like, I don't know. I still don't know anything. Like, I barely understand how to be a person, let alone, <laughs> like, establish a career and a life and a future. Like, none of that makes any fucking sense to me. I absolutely agree. It's It's nuts that they... You try to push you that early to be like, so what do you want to do? I could like, you know, there are definitely people out there who, you know, from a young age know what they want to do, know what they want to be and they're passionate about it, they work towards it and, you know, hey, great for them. But I don't think that's the average person, especially not in today's day and age. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I at the time I had been taking uh, like just an elective class where we were learning to make simple websites, programming in HTML. And I thought it was really fascinating because um, I'd really enjoyed fucking around with like uh, QBasic and shit like that back in like the DOS area in the mid 90s. And so what a time I know. Right. Right. Stupid little simple programs and stuff. <laughs> fucking around on Prodigy. <laughs> Dude, I remember the first like before there were real websites and stuff like that. You could get onto like um, I think it was called like a, a BBS where it was like you yeah. it, it had like so many lines that you could dial up into and it was like basic chat rooms and stuff like that. Yeah, it was really just like interactive command prompts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. It was like all text based and everything. I remember fucking around with that stuff. But um 
And so, yeah, I was like, sure, I'll, I'll pursue a career in, in web design. And, and mind you, this is like 97, 98, right before the dot-com bubble burst. And yeah. So, and so, yeah, I, I have an associate's degree in graphic design that does me fucking no good. And, and it felt well, it does do the good of having a degree. I mean, the real problem is, at least, you know, in the current kind of environment that we live in in America, is that, you know, the main purpose of getting a degree is so that you have one. It's really just more of a mark of, I had enough discipline to get this far, and that's it. doesn't matter what it's for or what it's in or what you studied. It's just a, I did it. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, I didn't get that. I, I remember when I was going to school for that, I was working at a convenience store, which um, it is it is shockingly similar to Clerks, but at the same time, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, there are many things that are different. I actually made a sign that said, if you're planning to shoplift, please let us know exactly like on Clerks, and I taped it to the front of the cash register. Very nice. It was every, It was a big hit. People were happy about it. And then the manager's finally like, did you fucking do this? I'm like, I did. And he's like, people like it. I'm going to let it stay. I'm like, yes. Nice. Yeah, it'd be real disheartening if he was like, take that shit down. <laughs> no, he was one of the coolest bosses I worked for. It was. It's funny to me that when I look back at the time that I worked at that convenience store, the guy I worked for, he was one of the first people that like, or the first bosses I had that really instilled this um, this desire to like, no matter how low the task may seem, to do it to the best of my abilities. And and I it's one of like the most powerful work lessons I ever learned. And so, yeah, that that boss's name was Steve Briggy. He's still at that store. I saw him in traffic the other day. Fucking awesome guy. <laughs> was he having a meltdown? I, I'm sure he had moments in life where he melted down. But Steve always seemed like one of those like perpetually chill guys. Like I remember I pissed him off one time. He was like a, a shorter guy, and I remember walked past him and I was feeling all good. And I rubbed, the, and he'd always keep his hair really short because his hair was starting to thin. And I rubbed the top of his head, and it was the only time I ever saw him get angry. He basically like laid down the law in that moment of "You ever touch my fucking head again?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I will never do that. Like I like you. I don't got a little, little too familiar there. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, yeah, fuck. but just so circle back around, you asked me about ten minutes ago what I was doing living in Colorado. There we go. Um, yeah, <laughs> just you know, whole life lived in Chicago except for the one year in South Carolina, and you know, I just needed to get away. You know, wanted to see something else, try to establish myself somewhere else, and at the same time, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Joe Pizza, he and his girlfriend were actually going to move out there, and so I was like, hey, that's not a bad idea, you know, and having somebody there, you know, when you're moving halfway across the country, having somebody that you already know there helps. And B, you know, he's a big pothead. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I don't smoke really at all anymore um, just because I don't. But, you know, so he's still a big, he was a big pothead back then, still kind of is now. And he has gout. So this is like maybe a year or so after uh, the legalization out there. Yeah, And so I was like, he's going to go out there, he's going to get a green card, and he's going to smoke himself retarded. <laughs> and so I'm like, somebody needs to go out there and make sure he doesn't get himself stupid or do something really dumb or get himself killed or whatever, you know? Like, he's a great guy, really joyful and really enthusiastic about things, but he doesn't always have the best decision-making skills, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know people like that. 
Yeah, so I was like, well, somebody needs to watch his back while he's out there, and his front, and his sides. <laughs> so, you know, I decided to go out there, too. And, you know, it was fun while I was out there. But, you know, eventually, it's like, you know, <clears throat> yeah, not, it's not really, it was working out fine, but it wasn't, like, where I wanted it to necessarily be. And then at the same time, while I was kind of thinking about that, I was like, do I want to go back? A good friend of mine, she... uh was having some financial problems and she was worried about losing her apartment. I'm like, well, I can come back and help out with that. You know, I got no problem with that. And we've known each other for a year. So she was like, yeah, that's well, I'd do that. That'd really help out. So, you know, serendipity moved back and helped her out financially for a bit. And then life carries on. Yeah. Right on, man. What, what was your experience with like the legal weed uh, stuff in Colorado? Meaning, like, like, w- did you go and get a car? Do we, like, what was that like? If so, well, this was when it was medicinally legal. I did. I believe this was in the small period of time between medicinal legalization and uh, recreational legalization. So it wasn't just anybody can do it. But you know, like, if you, you want to get drugs, you know somebody, right? Even here, you know, you want to get LSD, you can find somebody who could hook you up with the LSD. And so having my buddy Joe, who had got, so he was able to get a green card, uh, or not a green card, whatever it is, just a, you know, a marijuana card, you know, so. <laughs> I, I Different like, kind of green card, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's what, you, it's what it should be called, but there's already a, you know, more important legal document that has that name. <laughs> Otherwise, it would work really well. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Let's make was, that a change.org was... petition. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, it was it was fun. It was cool. You know, he every week or you know every few days he would go and get you know try all the different strands and everything. And he had aspirations long ago to like he wanted to eventually like get in the business, become a grower, and everything. Um, so you know, he knows he knows his stuff on that you know, on that subject matter. So, you know, it was like every couple of days or every week or so would be, hey, we're trying a different strain here, and you know, kind of really had a good. He has a stronger palate for that kind of shit than me, because when it comes to, like, smoking weed, I'm a super cheap date. I take one, maybe two hits, and I'm fucking gone. (laughs) Yeah, I I never had a tolerance on that. (laughs) Yeah, then we're still, like, passing the thing around, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, and I'm on, like, you know, hitting nine or ten, and I'm just like, fuck me, I can't move anymore. (laughs) It was a lot of fun, um, but I didn't focus too much on that. Um, yeah, no, it's just these days you hear Colorado, and, and it's hard not to ask that question, right? But like yeah, in, no, in absolutely. that same vein, like Illinois just uh, set the ball rolling for recreational legalization, right? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. What are your thoughts on that? Close attention. It's fine. You know, I have no problem. Again, being a former stoner, but not really anymore. I mean, I've never had a problem with it, obviously. Um, you know, I, from a political perspective and from an economic perspective, it makes sense to legalize it. I mean, there's, you know, I don't smoke weed anymore, but I do drink and I do smoke cigarettes. So, you know, those are by far, A, worse for you, and B, you're potentially more dangerous if you go out, so, you know, in public while under the influence of alcohol. So, you know, it never made sense to me that, you know, alcohol is legal and marijuana isn't. So... You know, it's it's a matter of time anyway. You know, the 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 momentum has been in favor of marijuana for a while now, and it's just a matter of people holding out or 
letting the, the old guard retire or die off so that the people who aren't so fuddy-duddy on this shit fucking come to power and let it, you know, let it be free. Yeah, and the, the biggest sources lobbying against it are, like, the pharmaceutical companies and the prison guard unions. So, I mean, what the fuck does that tell you? It's kind of gross. Yeah, it's real gross. Like, oh, prison guard, prison guard unions. Get the fuck out of here with yeah. that shit. It's like, hey, this is a really easy way to persecute brown people. Why are you going to go and fuck that up for us? And it's like, hmm, maybe because what you're doing is disgusting and fucking inhuman. And yeah, what a brilliant idea we had in this uh, country to have prisons for profit. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> I nothing, nothing could go wrong there. Yeah, yeah, that, that ugh. Oh, Just, yeah, you know, the systematic thing. abusal and incarceration of various minorities because, oh my god, they look slightly different from us. Mm, yeah, no, that shit's fucked up. That's that's one of those, like, realities that... Ugh, man, it's, it's uh, like, if you could do, a, like, a Thanos-esque snap, and I don't mean by killing, but just rework reality, it'd be like, that'd be one of the things to go for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of changes I would make, and that would definitely be among them. <laughs> what would be your top change if you had the Infinity Gauntlet on? Oh, jeez. Um, well, let's change the current administration, for one. <laughs> I love that you went there right away. <laughs> Look, I mean, I know, it's an easy to- it's an easy shot to make, but it is really, like, it's disgusting, the level of resurgent of systematic racism and prejudice that has somehow somehow reemerged like it still baffles my mind that in 2019 America is dealing with a resurgence of Nazis oh that's like, so fucking crazy we didn't have them when they were big the last time they were across the fucking ocean now they're fucking here <laughs> 80 years later what the shit yeah, well, there, there's fucking people in the world that are Holocaust deniers. They're like, nope, that didn't happen. Like, are you fucking... Dude, I remember when I was going to school, it, uh, getting that associate's degree, we saw, uh, listened to a Holocaust survivor for one of the... I think it was a sociology class. And she she went in as a little girl, and the story she told, I will never forget for the rest of my life. And like I, the, there wasn't a person in there that, like, didn't have tears streaming down their face by the time she was done talking about the atrocities that she lived through. And the fact that there are people in the world that say that don't happen, that didn't happen. And there are other people that still are willing to like push those ideals, like Nazi ideals. It's I'm a big fan of freedom of speech in the first amendment and all that, but I definitely am in favor of it, not extending into like hate groups and hate speech and stuff like that. And, and I think Nazism is certainly there. So people argue that, Oh, this is a free speech. It's like, not when you're a fucking Nazi. Okay. Not when it's not when you're fucking projecting ideals that the last world war was fought over, you know, fuck you. You get no protections. If, if that's your fucking cause. No, I absolutely agree. Yeah, hates because you know the the First Amendment is says you know the freedom of speech and assembly and religion as long as it does not infracture the rights of other people. And yeah, talking about and preaching and idealizing the again systematic subjugation or elimination of a group of people just simply based on their religious uh, background or where they happen to be geographic geographically born into is 
fuck, like that's that's an infringement. That is an infringement straight up. I mean, you know, there's a you know a lot of people or kind of something that's in the pipeline uh, that's going to be a big issue in the next couple years of you know where does free speech on the internet extend to? And I I am one of those people that that feels like there needs to be some sort of policing with it, you know, to some degree. You know, go on to any YouTube video and just look at the fucking comment threads and just the hate and go on to some fucking Reddit threads. It's just disgusting, awful behavior. Like, I'd be fine with everybody being able to say whatever they want to on the internet still, but... No more, uh, you know, no more pseudonyms, no more screen names, no more aliases. You got to put your fucking full name on there and we can all fucking look up who the fuck you are and then just rail on you for it and just come on, you, you know, come at you and be like, you are a fucking piece of shit, worthless specimen of a human being. Fuck you and your hate speech. Like, yeah. let, let cyberbullying do some good for once. <laughs> yeah dude here here i mean ugh, i i've always been the f- on the fence in terms of when people get like outed for shit behavior online and stuff like that i've always been on the fence of when people are like oh we need to get them fired and stuff because what if they got kids they need to feed and that is not the kids fault the, that they got shit parents but no, but those kids should probably go into a different home than <laughs> if they got that motherfucker as a parent. Like, mm, I don't know if I want you teaching your children what you have been saying. Yeah, but I mean, but then there's definitely some instances of that. Like, like with that, uh, uh, I don't even remember the guy's last name, but that Brock dude that like uh, basically raped that girl and just got a slap on the wrist and the judge didn't want to put him away because, oh, he's oh, a good God. swimmer or some shit. Is his name Brock Turner? Something like that. I don't know. Whoever I recognize his picture, and he's a fucking cunt. And like those sorts of people, like that, that that did something horrific and completely got away with it. Like those people should absolutely be persecuted in every public space that they're fucking a part of. But yeah. But it, know, if you just said something agree. stupid online, I don't. I don't think that that you should lose your your job as a result. I, th- I think if it's something that that's all you do in your free time is do that, then yeah, go after that fucking person. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, we all have lapses in judgment. We all say things that either was really stupid to say or maybe the, you know, it was taken out of context or just the way you wrote it was really bad. But yeah, people who spend a lot of time preaching or talking horrible things to other people, like especially if it's directed at a person. <laughs> Yeah, if it's directed at like a specific person or a group of people and it's derogatory and it's insulting and it's, you know, flaming them, that's a problem. Like, I'm a big fan of accountability. You know, you can again, you can say whatever the fuck you want to, but you have to then accept the fact that there is going to be a reaction and a potential consequence for that, whether that's positive or negative. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm, there I'm needs to be a timeline. I'm not attributed. a fan of the. I'm not a fan of the death penalty. I don't think that because I have a philosophical belief that I don't like the idea of the government being able to legally execute its own citizenry. Oh yeah, I, I, I have I know a what big problem with that. Now, if like let's let's say I had kids, I don't, but let's say I had kids and somebody raped and murdered my child, I want to. I'm gonna want to kill that person and. Oh, you know, yeah, that, that's I'm my that with, time to kill I'm, moment. Yeah, and I'm fine with this. Like, I w- if that was the case, if that happened to me, I would be more than fine with me going out, finding that person, and killing them. And then I'd be fine 
with then going to court and being prosecuted for murder and taking a sentence in jail for it. I am fine with that because, you know, he did something horrible and an atrocity and I took personal revenge for that. Fine. And then I face the music for that kind of, for my actions and take the consequence for it. Fine. I don't like the idea of death row or the death penalty and capital punishment. Although every once in a while, I'm like, maybe that should, person should be drawn and quartered. Oh, yeah. I think there's definitely some people who are absolutely unapologetic. Like, they admit the crimes they've done. They're unapologetic to them. Why support them for their... Like, the fact that Charles Manson died as an old man in prison. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, like that guy had way too many... Like, he had some crazy fucking bitch marry him, even. Like, fuck that. That, that guy should have been fucking... Ugh, that that guy should have been offed. Like, should have. Why give him three hots and a cop for three hundred sixty five days a year when you could have spent fucking twenty cents on a nine millimeter round and shot him in his face? That's harsh. That. That's mean, harsh. No, I, but I'm no, not- no, that's not harsh. I think that's justifiable given the person that we're talking about. But it's definitely for me a thing of like you know someone like a Charles Manson or like uh, you know uh, uh, Osama bin Laden situation. It's like you know what. Let's apprehend this motherfucker, and then his, you know, his uh, punishment is we just set him, we let everybody know, and we set him loose in the middle of Times Square and see what the fuck happens. <laughs> let the mob, let mob rule decide in those cases. Like a person who's, uh, you know, particularly heinous or has done something extraordinarily terrible, I'm not against the idea of, you know, uh, torches and pitchforks deciding what happens to him afterwards. I'm not necessarily against that, but, you know... Um, there are certain things I just generally don't like the idea of the government executing its own citizenry because it's a slippery slope that eventually, you know, you get the wrong person or people in charge of the country, go circling back to right now, and you know, it's, so what happens if they started making policies or making decisions based on that exerting more government control over its citizenry and Suppression of media and suppression of, uh, you know, freedom of speech and information, you know, then we turn into China. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, how do you feel about like drone strikes and stuff like that? Um, because that's real close to what you're talking about. I know. Um, it's difficult. I mean, I think that it, I'm, you know, I don't have a military background, so I don't feel like I have the information or the perspective to be able to make decisions based on military decisions. And that's not trying to cop out of the, you know, question or anything. It's just say, I feel like I am too ignorant into the ins and outs of warfare and uh, military operations and, you know, yeah, this drone strike, you know, hit this building, killed these many bad people, but also killed this many innocent people because the, you know, uh, building next to it happened to be like an orphanage or whatever the fuck. Like, I don't... Yeah, that's bad, and that's terrible, and it's bad to have that happen, but, you know, I... Like, I, I just... I think it's a very sticky situation that I don't have enough information or perspective to be able to make a good judgment on things like drone strikes or military action in general yeah I, I totally know what you mean it, it's one of those things that you're like 
<laughs> like armchair quarterbacking, giving t- hot takes on fucking drone yeah, strikes. Yeah, I feel like I feel like if I start, you know, making proclamations or you know statements on military operations, that's me. That's the equivalent. You know, that's me talking like the equivalent of a flat earther at that point. <laughs> oh, if you want to get into that stuff with military, this isn't something that that I've researched, but I should research it because I find this fascinating. But. I remember hearing stories after that SEAL team took out bin Laden that remember there was part of the story that like there was a helicopter that crashed and then like basically they like self detonated it because it had stealth technology in it that they didn't want like the God, where did, wherever that anybody else. To... Yeah. Yeah. It will. Yeah. One of the other parts I heard about that was that they had like fucking attack dogs with them. That had had their regular teeth removed and were replaced with titanium fucking teeth. So they had attack dogs with titanium fangs. I don't know if that's true, but it's always I mean, captured my imagination. That, that is, is so fucking metal. That right? is so fucking metal, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> now, I'm, now all I'm thinking is like, well, given like 15 more years, we could have like fucking, you know, cybernetic enhancements on those dogs so they have like even a stronger bite or some crazy shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Have you seen that metal? I haven't seen very many episodes of Black Mirror, but have you seen that Metalhead episode where it's the robot, like, kill dog? I actually have not watched any Holy Black Mirror yet. I know. It's, I got a long queue of things I need to catch the fuck up on. Black Mirror, for the most part, I haven't caught every episode because a lot of them make me feel dirty at the end. But But I've watched a solid handful of them. I've watched ones that made me feel that way, and I've watched ones that have really great endings. Like... Um, uh, for instance, the most recent season that just came out, there's a episode with Miley Cyrus on it, and I loved the way that one ended. It, it was so great, oh, and, yeah. I, and, it, and it had a bunch of like uh, remixed, like Nine Inch Nails type stuff in it for all the music, which was really yeah. cool. And like not no, only knowing through like water cooler talk about like Black Mirror, it really sound it, to me it sounds like a show that like yeah the sound, whole soundtrack should be done by like Nine Inch Nails and Aphex Twin. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> But this metal- and, and get some old school John Carpenter with a synthesizer there. Oh, Just yes. get a Casio keyboard and put him in front of him and be like, <laughs> yes, figure <please>. it out. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> but this Metalhead episode, it's like it's like a post-apocalyptic story. And there's like all these, like, it's basically they're Terminators, but it's like a dog. So it's like this really small robot that can run and it can like, put trackers in, in people that it comes in contact with and then eventually chase them down and execute them. And it's a really fucked up episode. I have to look that one up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you're not in for a real fucking bummer of an ending, I'm going to spoil that much. <laughs> Dude, I got no problem with bummer endings. Like I, I do love series. You know, I like series that let you leave on a happy note, but I also do enjoy series. that just makes you like reexamine, everything you've ever done in great detail and be like am i a monster (laughs) i fucking hate things with bummer endings i actively stay away from them and it it, it probably inhibits some part of my growth as a human being but well i mean you know you're you know you're not a terrible guy we've met a few times i think you're an upstanding good guy (laughs) you know we all we all have our skeletons in our closet and as long as it's not you know too obscene you know we're allowed to have that I remember I remember a long time ago I was on an episode of the Supercast and they were talking about the Heath Ledger documentary that like his parents were involved with the making of and it was going to yeah, be coming out and, and everybody was all oh I can't wait to watch this and I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be the one dissenting voice I was just going to let it go by <clears throat> 
<laughs> and Jordan's like, what about you, Joe? You didn't say anything. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not watching this. I'm like, no fucking way. This sounds incredibly sad. And I don't want to put myself through that on a random evening. But <laughs> yeah, no, and I can get that. I definitely, you know, you got to be in a certain mood for certain kinds of things. Like, you know, I never find myself in that mood. I will never be like, you know what? I've heard Manchester by the Sea is really sad. Let's watch this today. No, I'll, I will never turn it on. Yeah, no, and I get that. I mean, you're a really jovial guy, you know. You're, you're <laughs> like fucking, you're <laughs> like fucking, you know, rural Santa Claus over here. Holy shit, dude. Okay, we took the boys on a vacation a few weeks ago. We went up to uh, the Mall of America, which was weird as far as our vacations usually involve, like, our, our last one, we, were, we went to the Black Hills in South Dakota. And, and like, we do lots of, like, nature-type vacations. And so this last one, we went to the Mall of America, which was interesting because we were in like the, the urban retail jungle, right? And yeah. uh, this um, place we were staying at, this resort was like a water park resort. And so it had this like lazy river thing that went around the whole perimeter. And they had all these like, inner tube type uh, floaties that you could just hang out in and basically just Dude, float around lazy, this river. Lazy rivers are the best. You can just get <laughs> smashed drunk on those. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get drunk, but but I definitely hung out in that one the whole time. And because uh, that was what the, the 11-year-old wanted to do. And then the 8-year-old was with my wife, and all he wanted to do was go down the water slides over and over again. So Lindsay got to run, you know, 10,000 stairs in, in two <laughs> days. <laughs> um, Heading up to the fucking throat of the world. Gonna go see the gray beards. But, uh, but yeah, so so me and me and the me and the kid are floating along, and these other kids come floating past, and the one goes, "Hey, Mister Beardman, are you Santa Claus?" <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, number one, I need to start the diet now." <laughs> but I, and I'm like, "Yeah, sometimes." <laughs> Because I'm, yeah, I'm not wrong. Just respond like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that would have been what good. What do you think, little boy? <laughs> I know that you've been naughty. Uh, see, that would have been funny, too. <laughs> yeah, you got to just, like, psych him out real hard and be like, wait, what's he talking about? Yeah, the beard is getting really, really long, though. I can almost make, like, a full fist under my chin and having it sticking out the bottom of the fist, so. Yeah, getting to that Chuck Norris level. It's getting there. You know, this okay, this is a, a, a weird confession on my part, but um Alright. I I've never been a huge Chuck Norris fan. I've seen like maybe a small handful of his movies. And so like the internet phenomenon of Chuck Norris is the biggest badass ever. I've never bought any piece of it. And I always feel like I'm missing out as a result. I mean that's fine. I mean I was never a huge like Chuck Norris guy ever. I just happened to, you know, <laughs> Watch a lot of you know, syndicated runs, or I don't know if they're syndicated or not, of Walker Texas Rangers. So like, I I get it, but yeah, I'm like, for me, it's just more the the it's funny of just like the absurd things and just like you know all <laughs> they are the, absurd the, the Norisisms of the the internet, and it's it's just more fun to just kind of like make shit up than it is necessarily <laughs> like. I mean, I've seen, like, Delta Force and, like, maybe one other movie of his. I don't remember what. But it's, like, they're not great movies. They're just, you know. And it's... You have to watch those things ironically. It's definitely not a, like, sit down and, like, oh, I'm really gonna pay attention to this one. It's like, no, you're watching it just to, like, laugh and laugh at the movie. Not so much laugh with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. <laughs> I, I think it probably because, like, the most 
prominent movie that comes to my mind of him, and it's probably just because it was the last one I saw, like years and years ago, would have been that Sidekicks one that he did with, with what was it Jonathan Brandis? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I never watched Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> yeah, no, I just happened to catch it a lot of time on like... You know, whatever day of the week it was. I mean, the thing for I mean, that show at that time probably ran like seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, you got to love that on regular network television and shit, right? I mean, it was like kind of the prototype, you know, because at that, that point in time, you had the shows like that and, you know, uh, syndicated reruns of Kung Fu. And it's around the same time, like the Kevin Sorbo, uh, Hercules, and um, I'm forgetting her name right Zena. now. Zena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched uh, both of those. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's it's kind of like those shows are kind of like the Stargate SG-1 was probably was around that same time, too. Those are really kind of like the, proto, the prototype for what now is just a, like fucking barrage of like police procedural shows you got nowadays where it's just you <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, there's maybe once in a while there's like some sort of connection from another episode, but it's for the most part, they're just standalone. You don't really have to think too hard. You can just throw it on and kind of just zone out. Yeah, yeah. In I remember I got into the police procedures for a little while. The when we first got our house and then got satellite and a DVR and stuff, like we recorded like all the fucking CSIs and shit. We would always watch all of those. Yeah, so for me it was Law and Order, but it came around initially. Yeah, we did a Law and Order kick also. <laughs> it came around ironically initially for me because my mom, for whatever reason, hates the the dun dun noise in the Law and Order <laughs> episodes. So I would just watch it all the whatever it was on just to piss her off. <laughs> we had, then I got sucked into it. It was just like, ah, oh, this is really fascinating shit. <laughs> they built some new offices at work, and the contractor they brought in was a company called Dun Dun. And so the first day I walk <laughs> in, I see a Dun Dun trailer in the parking lot. I'm all smiling i go in early in the morning i'm like do you think the owner's a big law and order fan and like i it was like crickets and i was so disappointed <laughs> like uh, that was fucking hilarious dun dun <laughs> that or they've heard that a billion times to where like they just don't even want to engage on no I, I said it to my fucking co-workers not to, oh, okay. <laughs> not to the contractor <laughs> and my co-workers are used to me being a fucking goofball yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, I see. I would have laughed. I would have gotten it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll see. See, move to Cedar Rapids and come do customer service. I guarantee you'll fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a ringing endorsement like that, how could I possibly refuse? <laughs> oh, dude. Um, so you said you're an exterminator. I remember years ago. This one, like, real, like, redneck proud friend of mine from, from back when I was, where I was growing up came over to my house, and he was wearing some pest control jacket, and it didn't even have his name on it. It was some other dude's name. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I got a new gig. I kill bugs. <laughs> One of the funniest nice. fucking things I've ever heard in my life. Look at his fucking Dale Gribble over here. The dude was so weird, man. He was so proud of being a fucking redneck. But man, he said some yeah. fucking off the wall shit sometimes where I just looked at him and I was like, dude, if you get beat up in public for saying that fucking racist ass shit that you just said, I'm going to watch it happen because, I'm watch because it, you I'm need to learn it, this and lesson. I'm just going to keep showing it to you every time I see you. Like, hey, remember the time you got your fucking face stomped in for saying some <laughs> horrible shit? <laughs> that was basically what I would always tell him. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, man. He's a good guy, though. 
I'll take your word for it for now. You just have to take my word for it. I, I, was, I was there for the for the nice moments too. <laughs> <laughs> and also, every time we'd take him down to Iowa City and actually get him around diversity, he was always the coolest guy. And so it was oh, like, dude, you might talk a lot of shit, but I saw you having an in-depth 40-minute-long conversation with a black dude dressed like a devil princess. <laughs> so don't fucking <laughs> front like you're this fucking hater, because you're not. You're just fucking repeating shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like a poser redneck. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that might be a harsh way to put it. <laughs> I mean, like, it, at least from my end, it almost sounds <laughs> like that. Which is like, why would you choose to be a poser of that? <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but, like, seriously, man, like, I don't know how small, you know, if you grew up in the Midwest, how small of a school you went to. But, man, I, I went to a uh, small there school. There 6,000 of us. <laughs> oh, fuck. There was 100 people in my graduating class. And, and yeah, yeah no, dude, there was. were... There were eight hundred in mine. <laughs> okay, yeah, you were in a city. We were we were rural, and like now, there's like a tradition. That, it wasn't like this when I was in high school, but I mean, Jesus, that was coming up on yeah, that was like twenty years ago now. Fuck, I'm old. Um, the yeah, kids I'm only like, like ride four tra- years behind you on that one. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, we grew up right around the similar time then. But the the kids now, like the seniors on the last day of school, will all drive tractors. To school and shit like that and it's like holy shit they weren't doing that when i was in school Ugh. like like there were definitely kids in my graduating class that had big jacked up trucks and would go mud running and stuff like that but I mean, if you have if you ever had the chance to sit in the passenger seat when somebody's going mud running down a, like a level b maintenance road it's actually quite thrilling <laughs> I have not had such an experience. But it's hard not to argue. Not a lot of mud running in the suburbs of uh, Chicago. It's hard not to argue that that is a fucking redneck activity. Like, dude, okay. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. This is how redneck the, the, the small town I live in now is. Today, they're having mud run races right on the outskirts of city of the city. Or the, the town. How dare I call this a city? <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, if the, I were just the the uh, you know the slightly arranged uh, shacks that you live around, yeah, man. If I were to like be just open this window in my room, we would probably hear the sounds of like V8s with just running open headers, just fucking screaming as these guys are going up and down these fucking mud bogs racing. <laughs> <laughs> that small town uh, Iowa. Yeah. You definitely don't get that. No, just here in <laughs> Chicago this weekend, it's uh, in the city, it's a uh, Puerto Rican uh, pride. <laughs> Which is fine, you know, the only thing that I'm mad about is the fact that, like, it's specifically today, getting back home from work, it fucking delayed traffic for a bunch, and I'm just like, I don't care about your ethnicity either which way, just get off the damn road! Like, going back to the whole, I just have a meltdown and have no tolerance for traffic thing. It's like, just, please, please, like, fucking don't block off all these roads. I need to get home. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, right? But yeah, and it's actually fucked up because I'm slightly getting political again for a moment here. Yesterday when I was working in my truck, I'm driving down the road and there's a fucking, somebody rented a U-Haul truck. And the there's two guys in it, and the guy driving it is hanging out of his window a huge fucking Trump uh, flag. 
Oh, jeez. You know, the whole Make America Great. And they're just going down the road fucking honking and yelling at, his, at like, Puerto Ricans and Hispanics. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? So I actually ended up tweeting uh, U-Haul. <laughs> like, I took a picture because we were at the uh, red light. So I uh, quickly snapped a screenshot of the license plate for that truck. And then sent it to them, being like, hey, so here's what I'm seeing today. Are you guys okay with this? Your truck's being used for this uh, reason. And I actually got a reply, be like, no, that is unacceptable. We're going to, you know, deal with that. Wow. Good for you, man. What a piece of shit. Anybody who sets out with an agenda of, I just want to go piss somebody off today. It's like, why? What? I fucking hate it when people get into negativity like that. There's a part of me that, that will laugh delightfully. If, if I read certain trolling online, like I can't help it. it. Like funny is funny, but at the same time, like I fucking really don't like trolling in a way either. It depends on the kind of trolling. There's innocuous trolling where it's just like practical jokes kind of a thing. And then there's just being a fucking asshole. Okay. Yeah. You really hit the nail on the head there. That was, that's very well said. Yeah. Like doing something like, you know, I mean, like, you know, if you're in high school or whatever and you like TP a friend's house or whatever, like that's fine. You know, that's as long as it's not raining that night or the next morning and they have time to like clean the fucking shit off their lawn. I got no problem with doing shit like that. But like fucking keying someone's car is just being a fucking. Oh, piece my of shit. God. If you're keying a car, you deserve to get caught in the act and you deserve for that person to be fucking huge and angry. And have some sort of bludgeoning tool with them. <laughs> you just emerald that. Another notch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, Joe, way to do like a fucking mid-90s reference there. That was, yes, that was current as fuck. Cut right there. I know. Millennials would be like, emerald? Who the fuck's that? Like, look it up. You'll be impressed. <laughs> Maybe right. not. We were at the time. Yeah, we that, were. That like, was, that was pre- saying, fifteen years ago. That would have killed. <laughs> that was pre Guy Fieri, though. When he really, he really brought the genre up, right? Wearing the sunglasses on the back of the neck and whatnot. He did something to the genre. <laughs> the jury is still out on what that was. <laughs> Fucking donkey sauce. What the fuck? Who the fuck wants to eat something that has something called donkey sauce on it? Like, that just sounds unappetizing, you know? <laughs> they did a donkey sauce episode of Fear Factor. It's what's got the show canceled. <laughs> well, now we have a... Well, thank you for bringing in a new piece of evidence for my uh, jury to deliberate over. <laughs> Joe Rogan has told that story, like, multiple times on his podcast, and it's funny as fuck every time, that they made people drink donkey to, semen. I've almost never listened to Joe Rogan. It depends on the guest. Like, uh, a couple times, Neil you know, Grass Tyson's been on, or when he has a wrestler, like uh, uh, Jake Roberts or DDP, I've listened to those, but that's about it. Nice. Yeah, I I pick and choose by the guest on that also. I mean, like, as we've already covered, I'm a big fan of laughing. And so usually if he's got a comic on there, I'll listen. Um, Oh, my God. Got to recommend an episode of his that uh, had uh, John John and J.D. Witherspoon on there. Do you know who John Witherspoon is? Uh, The name's familiar. Give me some context here. He was the dad. He was Ice Cube's dad in the movie Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he did an episode with him and his son, and his son is also a comic. And th- that's going to be one where I will listen to that episode 
multiple like i've already listened to it three or four times and i like i'm not done with it by far like that motherfucker i got i have some things like podcasts (laughs) yeah like every once in a while where it's like what am i in the mood for you know i'm in the mood to re-listen to this like i love (laughs) i love episodes of podcasts like that where like a guest is on and just like you just kind of Every 20 to 30 minutes, you, like, say one thing or pose a question, and then you just let them fucking run. You just let them <laughs> run with whatever the fuck they're going to do, because they often, the comics do it especially well, where they're just going to go off on a line and a tangent, and you don't want to, like, interrupt that or derail whatever stream of consciousness as they go on, because it's going to be gold. Yeah, and, and this guy, John Witherspoon, has just got such a great voice in his delivery and stuff. And what's great in, in listening to the episode is that it's like he's really he really got famous just for being himself. Like, it's not a character that he's doing. And like the dad that he played in Friday, it's like seemingly very much like himself, which is really goddamn funny to me. <laughs> yeah, some of my favorite things like that are like panels at conventions with voice actors, because... Depending on the voice actor, especially, like, they will sometimes, yeah, like, the, the moderator will ask, like, one question, and then, like, they'll just go off and talking and talking about stories, and this reminds of time, they'll throw voices in there, just do crazy shit. Some of them are also very physical, and, like, they're running around on stage while they're doing a bit or whatever, and then they, you know, finally sit back down, they're like, what are we talking about? Well, that's all the time we have. <laughs> like an hour went by with one thing asked um <laughs> yeah that sounds like any q a with kevin smith yeah this will actually be an interesting uh, uh way to segue into a topic that i'm sure we were going to cover anyway because we we're already uh discussing it beforehand um last year here so every year here in chicago we have what's called g fest godzilla fest so it's a convention for the weekend uh it's in three weeks or actually it's exactly a month from now it's july 12th through 14th this year so anybody who isn't going, please go. Get tickets. Go. Come. Um, but so, you know, we they always have, you know, directors, special effects directors, suit makers and actors and suit actors that come in every year for panels and everything. And last year we had uh, Kempachiro Satsuma, who portrayed in the Showa era of Godzilla films, uh, Gigan in 71 and the year before that, Hedorah. And then he was Godzilla through the 80s and 90s. Oh, cool. And there was one question that was asked. <laughs> one question <laughs> that was asked in an hour panel. Um, and it was uh, the guy who was moderating the panel. is a guy named Cal, uh, Kyle Yount. He does the Kaiju cast. It's a very popular uh, Kaiju-based uh, podcast. His one question <coughs> excuse me, was, so how did you get into suit acting? How did you get into suit acting and eventually becoming Godzilla? And then temperature just went for an hour straight. That's impressive. And, just, and we never, he never even got to suit make like being a suit actor. <laughs> never even got to it. Because he was talking about like. <laughs> he sounds like the perfect guest for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, he, he was talking like he started off talking about like how, you know, he uh, entered a, you know, in Japan back in the day. They had these things of like young idol or young, you know, like the idol uh, stuff that happens in Japan, right? Where they like look for talent of people and then they will either become actors or, you know, musical groups and things okay, like that. Okay, sure. Sure, kind of so kind of like he, an America's Got Talent or American Idol, but not in America. 
Yeah, but not like a whole you know show was based on it. At least not then. But so you know, he tried out for one of those as an actor. This when he was like eighteen or nineteen, something like that. You know, the first time he went for it, he didn't get through. So he you know took a job at working at like a steelsmith uh, shop or a warehouse. So. You know, and I have a little bit of experience about that too. Uh, back in the day, for about six to eight months, I worked in a steel uh, manufacturing and fabrication shop. No so, shit. Okay, yeah, let me just circle so, back to that, but go on. Yeah, but so he was talking about like he went out for ten minutes talking about like he was like part of the like part of the smelting team. So he would like actually take like the molten steel and metal and having these you know big bold things you know that are like cast iron or you know made of stone that would then he'd have to pour into like the molds for whatever the steel is going to be you know shaped into and whatever and so he was talking about you know he's wearing you know because it was still back in like the uh or uh like mid to late 60s this was going on so he was talking about you know you're wearing a kimono you've got the you know the like wooden clog uh shoes on that are basically sandals with the two the vertical sanding pieces on them. Uh-huh. So he's talking about, and they're wooden. So he's talking about, like, you know, I, you know, he's like, I'd have to do this whole thing because, like, you know, it's hot because you're in a, you know, steel shop, like, running out of Terminator 2. And, you know, he's wearing a, a kimono, so there's a lot of extra clothing on him and wooden shoes that are sandals. So he's, like, doing this whole bit. And he's, like, getting up and standing up, grabbing the mic and, like, stomping his feet around and doing all kinds of, like, physicality while he's talking about this. About how, like, you know, you've got to see, you know, the, the, your shoes catch on fire, start catching on fire. So you got to, like, stomp that out. And you gotta, like, <laughs> That's insane. Oh, no, like, going ins- like, man, it's going insane. And, like, yeah, an hour panel, one question asked, never even got to the actual suit uh, acting and Godzilla stuff. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. I can't believe they would send people out into a fucking smelting plant wearing wooden shoes and a kimono. Yep, that's that's just how it was at the time. I mean, you know, they were, at that point in, like, the mid-60s, you know, they were still going through a re-industrialization post-World War II and, you know, they hadn't really modernized quite yet. So it's still, you know, kind of uh, uh, new age with industrialization meeting still traditional values and, uh, you know, ceremonial wearing. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking wild, man. Um, yeah, he talked about how, like, in, in uh, less than a year working there, he went through, like, 20 pairs of shoes. <laughs> I'd imagine if you're wearing something that's like fucking flammable and you're standing on hot stuff yeah. all day. Because like, he said that like they would just like the, the vertical pieces for him would just like burn down slowly because like all the heat and the friction would just have them like, you know, you have the, like the, the tips of burned wood and everything, how it's black and everything. And it would just eventually kind of like shave down like a road into nothing. <laughs> wow. That's wild. So what did you do when you worked in a foundry? Uh, well, it wasn't a foundry. We didn't work with molten steel or raw material, but we had it was uh, one part fabrication, one part warehouse. So we had like okay. huge stacks of anywhere from like one thirty-six inch uh, thick to five to six inch thick steel plates. That would be like okay, I got gotcha. four feet by eight feet. Uh, but like we had plasma, two plasma cutting tables. We had uh, you know various welding stations. A uh, you know. Um, hole cutting and um, drilling 
Okay, yeah, yeah I used to see press. fabrication thing, fabrication things like that all the time with the an old job I had, where I, I would actually go in and and like stock nuts and bolts and stuff like that right where they're being used, and so I, I'd be around stuff like that all the time. Um, yeah, so no, I, I was picturing you wearing okay. that silver big hooded suit <laughs> in like a place no, with molten no, we steel and shit. Casual, no, we're just using wearing casual clothes, wearing jeans <laughs> and hoodies and shit. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I went through a few uh, pairs of jeans and hoodies because I definitely caught on fire a few times. I've never come I close was, to catching on fire at work. So yeah, no, I was I was uh, what's called a grinder. So I would take like the finished pieces. Whether it was, you know, a uh, four by eight uh, foot steel plate that's going for like la- large uh, projects or anything that anything before it went through, you know, uh, sh- wrapping it up and shipping would come through me. So if it was something that was fabricated with a lot of welding, I would, you know, uh, smooth out the weld with the big fucking grinder, you know, a handheld uh, grinder with a disc on it. Wow. Or if it was a steel plate, you know, those that just cut for, as a steel plate four by eight, I would, you know, smooth the edges off the cut and everything. Okay, yeah, so you, you're just kind of like cleaning up all the edges. Yeah, and then I would help out. Deburring like, it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, metal burrs are no fucking joke. Like those things no, would fuck you up job, before you though. realize it. Yeah, it was a fun job though. Like, because two of my best friends, uh, Bobby and Matt, they were working there at the time. Bobby still works there, but like, so like they got me the job there, and so like Matt was on the cutting table, uh, the the plasma cutting station. Bobby was welding, and I was doing the grinding. So it was a lot of fun just being there and hanging out because you know you'd have some lulls and shit where you're not doing anything for for a little while and. So I would be hanging out, chatting, whatever. Everybody's listening to music. I can smoke while I'm working, which is a big plus for me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely caught on fire a few times. You know, I, I love the fact that day one, the day one that I worked there, because they uh, back then they would do it for every new hire. They would stop every, what everybody's doing at some point, and then they would have the crane operator, which is like a, you know, it's capable of holding like 15 tons at once. Mm-hmm. They would have them grab like a whole full, like, plate a huge plate we're talking like 15 by 20 feet plates or whatever Ugh, like God. giant fucking plates like ridiculously steel. heavy yeah so it'd grab they'd have the the crane operators grab a, a like five inch thick whole plate bring it out to the middle where the shipping area is and they would purposely create a swing in the uh crane so that it would lose the plate oh that's terrifying and so the plate would drop but you know they're always like nope farther back step farther back step farther back and i'm like 30 feet away from the plate and it, it drops hits the floor and my knees just buckle and i just hit the ground wow well, that's like, a good thing to show people that hey if one of yeah. these things cuts loose this is the situational awareness you need if you're walking through here absolutely because oh. yeah his point is if you were three feet closer your kneecaps would have shattered from that that's fucking crazy. Yeah, that situational awareness is something that I'm really big on, and it was really, like, never literally drilled into me, but <laughs> it was drilled into me when I was uh, uh, rock climbing a lot. Because I yeah. see, there were several times where I saw people who weren't paying attention, and they were under a climber, and, and they looked away for a second. When they looked back up, boom, they get hit in the face with a rock that got knocked loose. And it doesn't have to be a very big piece to fuck you up if it's dropping 30 feet. No, it doesn't. Gravity is a hell of a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it was a really good like day one being like, look, this is some this we're dealing with some real forces here. 
Yeah. Because there was also time where, because uh, we also had like a huge press, so that if you needed to bend a plate, you you know we have a huge press. It was like the largest, one of the like three largest in the country at the time. Dude, I those believe. things are fucking. You, ugh, those things yeah. always like part mesmerized me and part terrified me. Yeah, and that's the right attitude to have about that. You need to respect that kind of shit because so one day we, they were doing, you know, the press operators were doing a, you know, a fold on something or a, you know, an angle. And the way it works is you had to put like these big like slightly larger than a brick size of, you know, size of just, you know, a steel block. Just you know, so that you can kind of you know put in, you put those in the right place. Yeah, like, there's different inserts that they put in depending on yeah, the bend they want to make. Exactly, exactly. So one day, somebody didn't put the uh, that insert in the right place, and at one point we just hear this gunk gunk gunk, boom, and the fuck. And we're, again, it's like slightly like if you put stack two bricks on top of each other like that size, this fucking thing. It's like you know maybe fifteen pounds, twenty pounds. This fucking thing went flying. Like, I didn't see it, just Ugh. heard the aftermath. It went flying through the fucking roof. Holy shit. And fucking, we found it, like, 20 or 30 minutes later, and it landed, like, a quarter of a mile down the road. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. That thing fucking flew. And that's a, like, you know, it's a real... If that thing flew out at a different angle and hit somebody, you would have no fucking head anymore. No, you would have been no. That thing would have been carrying so much force. Yeah, like its physics is a real fucking beast, and you need to respect <laughs> that shit because if you don't, you will get <coughs> fucked up. <laughs> it reminds me of that meme where it has Tyson, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's like sitting with his legs crossed and he's pointing. And it yep. says, y'all motherfuckers need science in your life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a real thing. Living in that, working in that place for only like six to eight months really taught me. Like, that's what taught me situational awareness real hard. But like, you know, you need to pay the fuck attention. Yeah. If you don't, shit could go bad, real bad. Because like, we'd, we'd had people there who had lost fingers. Well, yeah. And, and like, okay, so here's something that ties into superstition. They say it's bad luck to walk under a ladder. And it's like, no, it's just bad common sense to walk under a ladder because there might be a guy yeah. on top of that ladder that's swinging a fucking hammer and, and he drops it and it fucking drills you in the head because you're a moron walking around obliviously underneath a worker on a ladder. It's like situational awareness. If there's something going on up over your head and anything happens, gravity's going to bring it down to you, so don't fucking be there. Yeah, it's not superstition. It's just a bad idea. <laughs> As long as it's a way to weed out the fucking. <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a good problem for uh, gets you a good solution for for overpopulation, right? Yeah, it can gives you immediate eligibility to the potential that year's annual Darwin Awards. <laughs> yeah, that should exist, right? <clears throat> I don't know if it still exists. It definitely did for a while. Oh man, I I remember Iowa City had a local newspaper while I was going to school, and I'd always pick up copies of i think it was called the icon and it always had an area in it with like like people who are almost like news stories that were just too stupid to be true and i remember one was a guy who had broken into a liquor store and he stole all the money out of the register and then he also took a box full of packages of m&ms well the cops were able to follow a trail of Eminem rappers right up to the bar stool that he was sitting oh on. Oh my god. 
That's like, a Darwin Award winner go, in a way. You, know? you don't go home after that? No, he's like, I got all this cash. I got my M&M's. <laughs> Time to drink some beer. Jesus. And litter along the way. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Like, that's... Yeah, that that's the kind of person where, like, I have no sympathy for you for anything ever the rest of your life. Because what the <laughs> fuck? Not because you robbed a place, but because you're so fucking stupid and have no situational awareness. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you're. Like, first of all, you're littering. First of all, secondly, you just committed a felony, and you just leave a trail. Oh my God. My it's fantastic, God. isn't it? <laughs> so that's the sort of folly I'm a big fan of. Yeah. No, no it's, that's that, it's that instant karma. <laughs> yeah, instant karma is the best. Yeah, oh, like, my I'm God. Not, I'm not a superstitious person. Like, I believe in aliens because I just think that's mathematically probable. Yeah. And I'm a, and I'm a believer in karma. I'm definitely a believer in karma, though. They're like, yeah, you do something really fucked up, something's going to come your way. Might not be today, <laughs> might not be tomorrow, but it will come. I watch instant karma video compilations on YouTube all the time. Oh, they're so fun. I, I watch there. it like it's a fucking show. I watched this one earlier where this guy in this big box truck was being an asshole to an old guy on a bicycle. <clears throat> and uh, he even like drove up onto the curb to try and cut the guy off. And, like, it was some fucked up shit this guy was doing. And eventually he jumped out of his fucking truck and started walking up on this fucking guy. And as soon as he got within closing distance, that old dude fucking punched him right in the face and just dropped him and shook him. Oh, yeah. And then he just got on his bike and rode away. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. Because there are times where, like, I, I feel like a punch to the face in that situation should not be prosecutable by law. No, it definitely shouldn't be. Look, it's self-defense at that point. The guy oh, was yeah. coming up on, the guy was harassing you, being a problem. You fucking did something to whatever pissed this guy off. And he comes up on you like, he, you know, somebody walks up on you. Look, I'm I'm not a fighter. I, I used to get into fights all the time, but I haven't in a long time because I feel there's much easier ways to or better ways to resolve a situation also doesn't help that I'm not a particularly large person, so, you know, I don't have a lot of necessary weight behind what I do. But, you know, if someone's walking up to me with, like, clearly with their physical, you know, their, their body language of, like, I'm about to start some shit with you, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait for you to do the first thing. I usually will, like, if I'm arguing with somebody and, like, it's getting really heated, I'll let you make the first move. But if, like, you're just coming up on me out of nowhere and you got a lang body language like i'm about to fucking start some shit uh i'm not waiting for that i'm not waiting for you to make that first move i'm gonna make the first move and it'll be the only move <laughs> so i'm gonna grab whatever's closest that's blunt and damaging and i'm just gonna fucking put you down real fast because <laughs> i don't want that i don't like for long engagements i i'm a i'm a fast strike kind of person i get i'm a rogue i get in get out yeah, through high school, I developed a Jedi-like, a Jedi mind control-like way of getting out of fights. And, like, I got myself out of several fights with that to the, to the point where I was like, fuck, I'm really good at this. But when I was in middle school, and, and that was, you know, this was in the mid-90s where kids could get in fist fights and the police weren't called. Well, like, I remember when that change happened. Where it was yeah, two kids that were like, yeah, two kids both get detention for that day, and that's it. Oh no, well, far worse than that. I remember when two kids younger than me got in a fight, and one of them had the police show up at his house. 
No, I meant back in our day, like of middle school and everything. Yeah, like you get into a fist fight. Yeah, at yeah, one, yeah. It, detention that day, and then that was the end of it. Yeah, and then I saw where it changed over to okay. Now the police are handling it, and so as soon as that happened, I was like, all right, my I'm not getting in fights anymore. I don't. I need to be getting in trouble with the fucking police. And um, yeah. No. And but, dude, I remember the one of the last times I got in a fight, I dislocated a kid's jaw. And I was like, if I were to fucking, yep. and I was like a fucking seventh grader. It's like if I were to do that now, as almost a forty-year-old man, like, they or, We'd be or, done. Or, We'd be done. Or, or what? What if I punch somebody in the face out of anger and they fall down and hit their head on the ground and then they die and then I got to go yeah. to fucking prison? What because I couldn't yeah. keep my cool for a sec? But I'll tell you what, if it's a self-defense situation. Fuck, I'm the last person you want to fuck with. Yeah, no, my, <laughs> like, my, I don't uh, give a fuck. I, I'm a firm believer and a uh, user of the martial arts style that uh, my, a good friend of mine, Chris Champlin, coined, which is the hit you in the microwave uh, technique. <laughs> <laughs> Just grab whatever's there. Like, you might win, but I'm going to take an eye or your testicles or something. <laughs> something. If, I don't care if I lose, but uh, you're not going to be a hole again. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength here, then. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just say, look, I, it's, you know, this isn't about honor. This isn't about proving a point. This, because I'm not starting shit. So <laughs> this ain't you're Karate Kid 2. <laughs> yeah, this isn't fucking sweep the leg or fucking any competition. No, no, no. This is a, you're coming up on me and starting some shit. No, 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 no. I'm going to end it as fast as I can. <laughs> and then move the fuck on with my day. God, I remember I was playing frisbee golf. Frisbee golf, of all things, like a fucking hippie sport. I was playing frisbee golf with this dude that I'd never met before, and he was a friend of a friend that was basically someone who used to just come into the convenience store all the time when I worked there. It's always a dangerous <laughs> prospect, the friend of a friend situation. Yeah. In new social situations, like, <laughs> how are they going to mesh? <laughs> but then this dude's name was Steve, and I, and I introduced Steve to my redneck friend that I had talked about earlier, who shall remain nameless, and uh -huh. he was afraid of that guy, so... so. <laughs> I, I introduced him to one of my crazy friends. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we're like taking a break, like halfway through this course in Marion, just sitting on this picnic table. And this guy's like, I just like getting in fights for fun. He's like, do you want to just fight right now? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I don't, the fighting for fun sounds stupid. Like, why would you want to invite fucking brain trauma? Like, what do you, like, what is wrong with you? That's a real life. And like, he wouldn't drop it. He just kept wanting to get in a fight. And so finally I just had to like, look him in the face and say, all right, if you really want to see me have a fucking banner moment, fucking punch me in the face and let's see what happens. And then he fucking dropped it. But it was like, come on, man, what the fuck is wrong with you? Some people are just wired for wanting physical confrontation at all times. I don't get it. I don't understand that idea or the mindset like i mean i've always assumed people who are like that have a lot of self-esteem issues and so they feel like the only way they can exert dominance control any kind of like yeah i'm fucking you know cool and i'm tough is yeah that kind of an attitude or that kind of behavior it's like fucking grow up yeah, like yeah, he was definitely we all, a weird cat. We all have self-esteem issues. We all have self-esteem issues. Okay, I don't like my ears. I think I, my ears are fucking ridiculous looking. You know, so but I'm not. <laughs> I've met you a few times, and I've never noticed your ears. So. <laughs> well, that's because I always had long hair that time of year. So like that's why I grow my hair long a lot. Is because it covers up the ears and it makes the shape of my head a bit wider looking. Uh, my wife always always points out to me that uh, I notice people's eyebrows 
And I'm like, yeah, well, look at my eyebrows. I look like fucking Bert and Ernie. Like, I, I, it looks like two caterpillars <laughs> racing across my face. And so you grow up that way. <laughs> and you tend to notice that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. Something that you have an issue with with yourself, you tend to look at how other people are. Because it's a way of, like, it's this self... It's this self-deprecating, but not in a fun way. It's a real, like, just be like, oh, man, see, those are great eyebrows. Why can't I have those eyebrows? God damn it. My eyebrows are fucking monstrous here, you know, or whatever the fuck it is. Whatever <laughs> physical issue you have of yourself, you, like, look at that and overanalyze it on everyone else around you because you want to feel like you're worthless for some reason. But you all have that. I know. That's just basic human neurosis, right? Yeah, it really is. It's a real George Costanza situation we all have. <laughs> it absolutely is a George Costanza situation. I love it. <laughs> yeah, what a neurotic motherfucker. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that I stopped myself from going to Costanza links, but oh my god, what a character he was. <laughs> I think most people stop themselves from going to Costanza links. I'll tell you, though. You well, know, and that's why that show worked, right? It's because it yeah. exaggerated something that's in almost it's everybody. Four fucking weirdos. Lunatics, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Because like, when you're younger, Kramer is everybody's favorite, right? Because he's the funny and really weird out there fucking, you know, he's got obviously some kind kind of problem yeah it's not until he goes but, on a racist tirade years later that people get yeah. sad by kramer yeah but like you know so as, a, as when you're younger like everybody loves kramer but as you grow up at least for me like no george costanza is where it's at because that motherfucker is so neurotic and so <laughs> fucking insecure about every goddamn thing in his life where it's like like the insane things he does the insane things he says these crazy like theories and plots he has <laughs> they're just like madness just sheer madness and just i eat that shit up i'm just like wow you are truly out of your mind <laughs> i always remember the cashmere sweater episode where he's yep. getting fired for having sex with the cleaning lady in the office and he's like is that frowned upon here <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when he's trying to get fired from uh, the Yankees to uh, get hired by the Mets. <laughs> hey, bodysuit man! <laughs> I love all the 90s reminiscing we've been doing in this episode. It's been really oh, fantastic. It's great. It's great. But tell you what, because we, you know, I touched on it very briefly earlier, and it's something that I know everybody wants to hear me talk about. Want to talk about some kaiju shit? Yeah, let's do it, man. I, I have not yet seen the new Godzilla movie. And and it was one that, like, I've always known who Godzilla is because, I mean, how could you grow up being a fan of pop culture and not know it? And I've seen a handful, like, the old black and white movies and stuff from when yeah, I, was I was a kid. Say, I want to ask, what is your kaiju background here? Uh, just extremely casual. If, if it was something that was on basic cable, I would have watched it because when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, if it's Godzilla, I'm interested. I'll watch it. I remember watching yeah, you, you old black and white movies like, with like giant spiders and shit like that. Like I watched yeah, you, that stuff. You caught a lot of the, like the, the TNT or TBS, like monster Mash, like double feature afternoons or whatever. Yes. And so I remember seeing some of those, but you know, I mean, they, they were seen through the eyes of a kid. And so I haven't gone back and revisited a lot of them. Like, as far as ones that I've seen as an adult, like, I love Pacific Rim. I own that movie. That movie's fucking awesome. And, no, that um, movie is one of my, like, it's top ten favorite kaiju movies of all time for me. Awesome. Then, then good. At least I got a good exposure with a good one. It is. And it's, like, that movie is a lot deeper than a lot of people give a credit for. Like, there was one review, I don't remember who it was by when it first came out, they said, this is either the smartest dumb movie or the dumbest smart movie ever. 
And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty catchy, but I disagree. I think it's a, that movie's a lot smarter because of Del Toro being the director for it. There's a lot of like really subtle things with like uh, color schemes and uh, color theming and. <laughs> You know, the idea of globalism and, you know, multinational cooperation that is in that movie. And I I just think that movie is a lot smarter than people think it is. But, you know, as long as if, as long as you enjoy it, I don't give a shit how much you get out of a movie, a kaiju movie, as long as you enjoy it. Unless it is a bad movie, which they exist. A lot of those exist. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, in a way, I mean, it, it almost slipped or I don't know if it slipped in, but it could be considered part of like kind of that B movie genre for some of the flicks, right? Oh no, no, the kaiju genre basically for a long time existed in the B movie genre. That's that's the bread and butter here because you're you talked about you know like the old black and white movies, all those American ones, Tarantula. You talked about Giant Spider One, the Giant Gila Monster, Deadly Mantis, Giant Claw, Them. There's like four other spider movies. Fucking. <laughs> uh, Killer Shrews, Night of the uh, Lepus, which is just giant uh, rabbits. Giant rabbits? <laughs> yeah. Like, because all those, all the, most of these movies of like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, the spider movies or Killer, not Killer Shrews, but like the Night of the Rabbits, all those, like a lot of these movies are just like, we just took B footage or filmed like normal animals and then we just, you know, Put the rear projector in the background. Say, look big, <laughs> and that's that's B movie all the fuck over. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love what a huge fan you are of the genre. That you like seemingly know all of the stuff off the top of your head, and it it works really well with the podcast that you do. That you know, like ironically enough, I just had one of your co-hosts on on the last episode. Yeah, you had Eric on, right? Yeah. Yep, now I just need to get Amanda on the podcast, and then I can say I had all you, everybody from the Leftover Army Monsters podcast. <laughs> Gotta collect the whole set. <laughs> it will, and last year, this last C2E2, I actually talked with Amanda quite a bit, and she's awesome. Oh, she's fantastic. I love uh, talking with her. And like I said, like a month or so ago, she was, you know, she had just kind of jokingly almost said, you know, hey, there's this thing and there's this, you know, music thing in Chicago, because... System of a Down was headlining it on Saturday night. And she's oh, I a big love System them. Of a Down fan. I'm not a big System of a Down fan, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, but she was like, hey, you know, hey, I'm, I want to go to that. You know, uh, do, do you want to come too? I was like, sure, why not? She's like, oh, I didn't ex- actually expect you to say yes. I'm like, well, why the fuck not? <laughs> it was a two day thing for uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, for me, the big draw was. We didn't even stick around for it. Uh, uh, Tool was headlining on Sunday night, and I, oh, nice. I like Tool a lot. But I didn't. We didn't even stick around for that because that was also the Game of Thrones finale. Oh, oh, Jesus! So we went back to my place and watched Game of Thrones instead. Wow, Did, um, how'd you feel about that afterwards? Here's the thing: Hindsight I like Game. I I have no problem with the last couple seasons of Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, the finale of Game of Thrones versus a live Tool show. Yeah, look, I mean, it was going to be one of those, you got to catch it before everybody starts talking about it the night, uh, you know. That is true, because Game of Thrones fans spoil the shit out of things for some reason. They really do. It's really hard to avoid it sometimes. I mean, but like, that was kind of a secondary thing, because for me, sliding back to the kaiju thing, is one of the bands that was playing on Saturday night was Gojira. Oh, nice. Which is Godzilla's actual name. Yeah, that's Uh, what they call it in Japan, right? 
Yeah, that's the actual See, name. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, Gojira is two different words matched together. Uh, Kojiro, which is Japanese for whale, and Gorita, which is just Japanese way of saying gorilla. So nice. they match the two together, Gojira. So it's the literal translation is whale that walks upright like an ape. That's awesome. <laughs> See, I love Godzilla that you know is, that fun fact. Yeah, which is Godzilla is neither a whale nor a gorilla. He's a big lizard. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Like, the name came around. There's a lot of different, like, urban legends of how the name was created. But what seems like the most common one that is probably the most likely to be true is in the Toho studio. There was, like, a guy who worked in the mail department who was this big, huge motherfucking guy. Like fucking, you know, six foot eight and, you know, like 350 pounds of fucking beast. And so, like, that was the nickname that, like, people in Toho gave to this guy. And so, Godzilla is named after this guy. That's awesome. <laughs> that is a there's really a cool couple, fun fact about a, the movie. Yeah, there's a couple other different, like, which, you know, how the name came about, but that seems to be the one that's, like, most commonly strewn about. So. Yeah, everybody, everybody who would know the truth is dead. So, you know, no way of really knowing for sure. But that's the one that's kind of bandied about as most likely to be the true uh, story. Wow, that makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, if I was that guy, I, for the rest of my life, would have been like, dude, no, no, I'm Gojira. That guy is an <laughs> imposter. I'm the real Gojira. They gave me that name way before that movie came out. <laughs> You're like, the guy who named it was just way too close to me in the bathroom one day. It's named after my dick. <laughs> That's the story you tell. <laughs> right? That's, that's a good way of doing that. <laughs> uh, we just lost all of our highbrow listeners, and that's okay. <laughs> right? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Venn diagram with kaiju nerd stuff and highbrow. <laughs> Um, yeah, you wrote a review for Pop Culture Leftovers and um, for Rotten Tomatoes on the the new Godzilla movie, and that review was great, man. It made me want to see the movie. And as somebody who's not, you know, explicitly a giant fan of the genre, I I think that's something. And so it, it's on my list, and it seems like one of those ones that would be far better seen in the theater. It definitely is. It's definitely the scale, like. What you know? So, did you have you seen either Kong Skull Island or the 2014 Godzilla? No, I've I've seen neither of those. Okay, I mean you don't have to for this one necessarily. There's a little bit of stuff you get from like uh, Ken Watanabe's character if you watch the previous the 2014 one that gives you a little bit more to it, but it's not required moving per se or viewing per se. It's kind of like the early phase one Marvel stuff to where it's like it's not so interconnected yet because we didn't really know where or how far we were going to get to go with this. Okay. Whereas now it's like any movie from Marvel that comes out, you're like, well, I have to have watched everything because <laughs> a lot of shit in here now. Um, but like, I, I'm okay, you know, uh, as a, you know, we're both uh, pop culture leftovers fans here. <laughs> I taste the 2014 one and high taste Kong Skull Island. Um, nice. But again, neither of them are yet required viewing. But um, yeah, the 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 new one, King of the Monsters. Yeah, while it's still in theaters, considering the box office has not been good domestically, it's fine overseas, just fine. You know, it's made its money back and then some. But you know, I'm a little upset with the lackluster box office here in the states. Um, 
but yeah, it's definitely. I don't. I don't know if anywhere it still has it in IMAX because you know a fucking new movie in IMAX comes out every goddamn weekend nowadays. Yeah, what do you um, think the but, lackluster performance in like domestic is re- uh, the cause? Well, one, I think it's just you know it's a niche genre. You know, there's always uh, there's always a risk for the kaiju genre to go like big budget mainstream in the states because it is a niche genre. There's an audience for it, but it's not as big as probably a lot of times these studios want to think they are. So that's always contributory to it. But also I think that uh, the 2014 Godzilla, it was really, you know, mixed reviews. A lot of people didn't like it for, you know, there's not a lot of Godzilla in it, which me as a lifelong Godzilla fan since I was five, I'm like, well, that's pretty typical, though. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, People think the Godzilla movie is like two hours a month or an hour and a half, whatever, a monster stuff. It's like, no, it's not, you know, it's literally like maybe 15 minutes in like an hour and a half movie of actual Godzilla-ing. You know, you get a couple, you know, you get like 20 minutes in the movie before Godzilla shows up. Then you have like a five-minute sequence of him fucking wrecking the city. Then you maybe <laughs> have a fight. You have him fight some uh, tanks and blow those up. And then you have a final fight. And there's human stuff intermixed throughout the rest of that. So it's like, it's not... A two-hour fucking slugfest concert. It's not a fucking... It's not WrestleMania. As much as I enjoy that to be. It's not WrestleMania where you just have match after match after match and just, like, crazy fucking shit happening. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of derisive uh, reviews for 2014, so I think that, that left a bad taste in people's mouths as well. So a lot of people probably like, eh, well, you know, I didn't really like the last one, so I'll wait till it comes out on video or on demand or whatever the hell. Have you ever considered writing like a Godzilla story? I mean, in adulthood, I have not. I've always wanted to. I definitely, I definitely have. As a child, wrote a couple uh, quote unquote <laughs> movies. <laughs> That's awesome. But um, like, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I, I wouldn't consider myself a writer. You know, I'm not good at really kind of like interweaving themes and ideas and having an A story and a B story being the monster stuff kind of interwoven. I think this movie does a really good job of it. And, you know, after I wrote that, uh, the review for uh, Pop Culture Leftovers and Rotten Tomatoes, I rewatched it a third time because last Sunday I recorded a third podcast uh, talking about the movie and reviewing it. <laughs> and on the third viewing, I actually, I caught a lot of stuff because I, I went in there with actually like an old-fashioned like composition notebook and a pencil or a pen and was like writing down actual notes throughout the I movie. love that. Because um, the, the podcast I was on uh, that just came out yesterday, School of Movies, go subscribe to them. They're really good at what they do. They, we, they really break down and go way below the surface level of movies and really like talk about like themes and ideas and philosophy that's demonstrated through the movies, you know, whatever movie they're covering and whatnot. And in that mindset, I caught a lot more because, like, a lot of the the common complaint for this movie is the kaiju stuff is great, but the human story is nonsensical and makes no sense. And Vera Farmiga's character seems to just be like crazy and doesn't make any sense as a character. But on the third viewing, I actually got a lot more out of it. Where I was like, actually, most of the problems I have with the movie from the first two viewings are gone. So it's even better, in my opinion, now than it was after two viewings from my third one. Well, that's cool. Yeah, know that it's grown more, you know, because yeah. some movies, the more you see them, the more there's things that you'll be able to nitpick on. 
And that happens. And look, Godzilla movies have that happen all the fucking time, right? Because it's, you know, it's silly. It, at, at its core, the kaiju genre is fucking silly. <laughs> it's dudes in rubber suits bidding each other up in either a miniature field or a miniature city, and you have actors doing a somewhat nonsensical story that maybe is somewhat related to what the monster stuff is going on, but a lot of times it isn't. It's kind of A plot, B plot, and neither the the two will not meet in between anywhere. But, you know, it's a lot of it's pulpy. Like, some of my favorite stuff is from the uh, uh, mid-60s era of Godzilla films, especially, because that was during the, the space race and everything was becoming sci-fi. There's a lot of sci-fi pulp in there with, like, alien invaders and crazy spaceships and laser cannons and all sorts of crazy nonsense. And, like, you want to just have some fun and just, you know, I, I, I love most, almost all the Godzilla movies. There are a few that I don't like. And the the recent Netflix anime trilogy is the worst fucking thing that Godzilla's oh, no. name is, and the worst thing that Godzilla's name's ever been attached to, ever. Uh, and I say, oh no, just because there'll probably be lots of people, like that'll probably get a lot of exposure, just being on Netflix. Yeah, it has, and like it's it's pretty funny because like being in the U.S., I'm you know part of a couple uh, different you know like Facebook uh, kaiju fandom groups and so forth. And every time something new comes out, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pros, there's a lot of cons, a lot of times, you know, there's kind of, it's mixed reviews. That anime trilogy is almost across the board just fucking panned and just shit on constantly because it's <laughs> boring as fuck. The animation is not good. Nothing fucking happens ever. And it's all, I mean, like, have you watched a lot of anime? Not really. I mean, there was a couple movies that I watched a lot in the 90s, and people always called them anime, but I don't know if they'd really be anime. Like, I saw Ninja Scroll more times than I can fucking count. Absolutely anime. Okay, then then very limited, and I've seen Ninja Scrolls more times than I can count. That fucking movie's amazing. It is, minus that weird, creepy, almost rape scene in the like first act with the rock guy. Oh, it's not almost. It, it is, and it's super uncomfortable. But I mean, there's not penetration at the very least, but yeah, it's fucking gross. Very gross, but yeah, th- th- there's a lot of fucking badass shit in that, and there's also lots of fucked up stuff in that. Oh, yeah, the uber-violence of, like, the early 90s in anime, like, that Vampire Hunter D, Helsing. Oh, goddamn, I loved that one. And then uh, right. here's the one that I need to go back and rewatch because the first time I watched it, it was, like, one of the first nights I ever did acid. And so it's, like, it burned a lot of parts of the movie into my mind, but I have no idea what the fuck was going on. And it was uh, Fist of the North Star. Oh, that's a... Oh, for doing acid and watching that, that's a... You know, there's there's plenty of anime to where I'm like, it can help to watch Acid, but not your watch it while on Acid, but <laughs> no. not your first time, not the first. S- time. Somebody had a video camera, and so somewhere there is a tape, and on this tape you can just hear my voice lots of times throughout this movie going, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah, no, it's there's like anime. Like there's some anime to where it's like that can you know taking something psychotropic can help the experience if it's not your first time watching it. Because otherwise you have no idea what the fuck is happening. Yeah, Fist of the North Star, the movie, the uh, OVA, is definitely a good example of that. Of like, 
It's a great movie. It's pretty good, and it's really cool. But yeah, ass in the first time was like, hmm. <laughs> well, and then maybe I watched not the best decision. I watched just a little bit of the live action version of it too. And no, I couldn't tell you what was going on other than the guy can be like, da, 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 and then tap somebody in the head and then their head explodes. And I'm like, all oh, right, yeah. that's a neat it's ability. But point. I forget what it's called. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know what any of the rest of it was. But what I saw of it was fucking amazing. And it's like, I just need to go back and revisit it at some point. Yeah. The, but so getting back to what I was talking about, the, the problem with a lot of like current anime in the last like decade or so is there's a lot of over pontificating and just like whole sections that run for like five, ten minutes long where a single person or two people are just like arguing back and forth about some wannabe deep level existential or physical, you know, phys- uh, psychological or uh, philosophical nonsense. And it's just, <laughs> it's just fucking gibberish because they're just. <laughs> Saying, they're just saying different words of saying the same singular point over and over again, and it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, you know how, like, how the uh, the butterfly effect, you know that movie with Ashton Kutcher? That's one of those movies I've never seen the whole thing, but I've caught enough scenes to be like, well, this is disturbing. But, like, you know how, like, they try to act like it's some, you know, they're really, we're really fucking saying something here, right? <laughs> okay, sure. And it's, and it's like the most shallow kiddie pool two-inch nonsense. But you, <laughs> you, it's, it's clearly like two people were stoned in their college dorm and be like, hey, hey, you know what's some real deep shit? Yeah, there's some real deep shit, man. And it's like, it's just bullshit. It's just, <laughs> like... It's it's that example of a person again, college, you know, freshman year of college, you took like a philosophy course or a religion course, like a 101 level course. And this motherfucker comes back at like winter vacation trying like talking all about that as if like they are somehow enlightened. <laughs> and it's like, "No, you're still swimming. You still got the fucking arm swimmies in the inner tube on and you have no fucking clue. <laughs> You've just never been exposed to this shit before." So you are like, "Oh, it's a vast world." It's like, "Yeah, but you're still right here in the corner." Like fucking give it 2 years and take more of those classes and then come back to me and have an actual conversation about this shit. <laughs> and that Godzilla anime trilogy is like 95% that. Oh gross. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, it's a real fucking shame. Yeah, the, what do you think of some of the Transformers stuff that's on Netflix? Uh, which uh, give me a particular example. God, I, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but I remember there was one of the series that my kids were watching. Transformers Prime. That might have been it. If it's Transformers Prime, love Transformers Prime. It's probably my favorite Transformers thing ever. I think it's oh nice. Transformers Prime. Basically, what it does is it's very G one, which is original generation, the eighties cartoon inspired. So a lot of the designs, there's a lot, there's you know, design wise, there's visual effects. There's a lot of the Bayformers in there as well, which is unfortunate because most, almost all of those are a fucking abomination. Bumblebee is really good, but the Bayformers movies are a fucking abomination. But it exposed Transformers to a larger audience or a new audience, so it kept the franchise alive, which is good. Um, and Transformers Prime, visually, it has a lot of Bayformers in it, but they still have like actual color to them, and they're still very iconically silhouetted, so you can actually tell who the fuck is who. As opposed <laughs> to this this gray mess hitting this gray mess, and 
I don't know which is which. I guess one of them's a good guy and a bad guy, maybe, question mark. But Transformers Prime, it's got a little bit of the Bay aesthetic, but it's very heavily G1-inspired. And they really cherry-picked throughout the rest of, at that time, Transformers history and lore and all the various different iterations. And picked, like, this is a really cool concept. We're going to take the core of that concept, jettison all the stuff that doesn't really make a lot of sense or is convoluted, and we're going to put our own spin on it. And really kind of created a whole... To the Bayformers universe, or not the Bayformers, the Transformers Prime universe and the uh, War for Cybertron and Fall for Cybertron video games from High Moon Studios, which was 2009-2011, I believe, uh, are part of what's called the Aligned Trilogy, or uh, Aligned Continuity. Transformers Continuity is fucking insane, because like every <laughs> single, every single like series is usually not connected to anything else. So it's a lot of like constant restarting, but you have characters who are usually kind of the same series and iteration to iteration because they're what's called legacy characters. Like Optimus Prime is almost always the same general kind of Optimus Prime. Megatron's always kind of Megatron. Starscream's always a piece of shit. And, <laughs> you know, you have like these main characters who are usually like the same, you know, they're they're slightly different. They may look a little different, but like Starscream's always a jet. And he's always a conniving, underminding piece of shit asshole. <laughs> but like, I think Transformers Prime uh, did a great job of cherry picking some of the best stuff of all the various iterations and making a real uh, solid whole, bringing a lot of lore, expanding on our existing lore. You know, it's doing stuff with the Unicron, Primus, the Star Saber, various other Cybertronian artifacts. And the voice acting and the animation, I think, is top-notch on it. So I love Transformers Prime. So anybody who's a Transformers fan who hasn't watched Prime, or in your case, if you've got young kids and you're like, I want to get them into Transformers, but where do I start? Transformers Prime is a great way to do it. That is awesome. I'm going to add that into the rotation for sure. Um, We've been watching uh, Batman the Animated Series. Fuck yes. Off the, the DC Universe app every night before bed. So we've been knocking out about two or three episodes a night. And Still the best Batman ever. Oh, and that's what I told him right off the start. I'm like, this is the these are the best Batman stories that you guys will get. Like, so cherish that this. So fucking good. Oh yeah, and so like I, I've I've never seen all of them, and so what's cool is that as I'm going through and doing this this full series watch with them, is I'm seeing lots of episodes that I never saw before, and and being a huge Batman fan, this has just been such a treat. Yeah, it's they really they just did such a great job of like really, and the fact that like they without planning on doing it that you know the Batman animated series is the foundation of what's called the Bruce Timverse, the whole yeah. DC animated stuff with the Superman the animated series, which is highly underrated and forgotten and shouldn't be. Then we have Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond. You know, like it's a real super solid foundation of just from animation style and uh, depth of storytelling like there's a lot of great like great episodes in that uh uh batman animated series like that are standalone that never come back but tell a really great like isolated story like i forget the name of it but the one where i don't know how far you guys are into it but uh, i think it's like in season two the one where it's this uh, little girl who's actually like 40-something years old, but she was a child actor. 
and like you know she was like a leave it to beaver ass kind of show and she was the star or like a shirley temple kind of thing but like she something happened to her where she stopped aging oh wow and it's a whole like the whole part of that the whole point of that episode is like her, you know, like as a child star, she kind of burned out and then became a nobody afterwards because, you know, they, she was typecasted because of her appearance. And so she never got like, you know, the one shot she had, like a serious role. People just like, you know, do something funny, you know, based on the previous show that she was famous for. And so she's like kidnapping the old cast of her show and trying to like get herself back on top as like a star. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, we're still working through season one, but but there there are ones later in the series that I have seen. Uh, but yeah, that's not one of them. So I'll keep my eyes out for that one. Yeah, that's a real. In my opinion, it's a really good one because it's like it's like individual. Like that one ta- tackles a lot of like yeah, you know, child fame and just the price of fame in general. Whether you're a child star or just you know as an actor, the exposure that you get in the public eye. Because the uh, the Beware the Great Ghost episode tackles a lot of that as well. Yeah, yeah, we we did just watch that one the other night, and that is a really good one. Fuck yeah, Adam West is the fucking Great Ghost is amazing. <laughs> I know it's so cool that to hear Kevin Conroy and Adam West in the same in the same episode because the the original Batman movie with Adam West that was the my first exposure to the character as a little kid. Oh, the uh, 66 movie? Yeah, I remember riding my bike up to the the library in the small town I grew up in and and checking that out on VHS. Dude, I love that movie. Because that was probably one of my first exposures to Batman as well, was seeing that movie. Yeah, because it's got, like, everybody in it. Joker, Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin. Yeah. Like, it's a real, it's a real great fucking little goofy movie with the fucking shark repellent bat. Yeah, I was going to say it's got a lot of the iconic silly stuff in it with the shark repellent and the, you know, the, he can't find a place to throw the bomb. Dude, <laughs> some some days you can't that, just, you just can't get rid of that, a bomb. I quote that to this fucking day. <laughs> someday, you know, when shit's going wrong, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> and he's not wrong. And, and, and you know, my, my mom always encouraged us watching Bat- that Batman also because when she was a kid and those shows were on, that was her Batman. And, yeah. and so she was always a fan of us watching that also. And then, um, oh, man, and then the 89 movie came out and I lost my fucking mind over that. Yep, it's, it, it was that was a real time mark because, you know, we had had the Superman movies from the seventies and eighties, you know, to the mid eighties or whatever. But you know, we went quest for peace eventually, and just uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> the that, first that, two that, are really the ones we're talking about. They're the only ones worth talking about to this day. They're the only Superman movies worth talking about at all. <laughs> uh, okay, so you didn't like Man of Steel? I liked it at first. Like, here's the thing, like. If I could take Man of Steel and Superman Returns and like merge them, we've got it. We've got something to talk about now. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because like I love the in Superman Returns, the movie's fucking boring as hell. Yes, it is. But I love the it being a love letter to the the Donnerverse and the the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah. And like when he first shows back up as Superman and saves the fucking plane that Lois is on and everything, like. I still, like, if I watch that scene of, like, you know, he lands the plane safely down in the middle of the baseball field, 
And then the fucking John Williams Superman score kicks in. Like that score, that John Williams Superman theme has a fucking direct line to my fucking heart. And oh I yeah. Love shit. That just hearing that, like, because I have it on my iPod. So if that just comes up <laughs> on shuffle on my car, I get slightly misty eyes. I'm like. Fuck yeah, man. Superman, man. Yeah, I just, I grew up with those first two movies, like, you know, dubbed off of HBO and they were just on a VHS yep. tape. And Damn. I watched the hell out of it, you know? Yeah, that's my Superman. That is the Christopher Reeve Superman is my Superman. Yeah, I, I, I liked Man of Steel, though. I, I eventually got to the point with the way that Zack Snyder was doing the character that I didn't like how dark he was pushing him, but there That's were my big problem is yeah. the, like over reliance on like Uber pathos for him. And just like, like, I don't like the reversing of the roles that, uh, you know, Jor-El and, uh, Pa Kent have in that movie as yeah. opposed to every other fucking version. Like, no, it's the fact that Jonathan Kent instilled him the virtues and the you know the the willingness and wanting to do good for the world that's important and then his kryptonian heritage is just that a heritage of a bloodline but it's not what defines him and then you know man of steel completely turns that around like no it's jor-el that instilled him and they make fucking pa kent kevin costner a fucking asshole yeah yeah i I didn't like what they did with pa kent and that for sure um i liked seeing the extra jor-el in it um have you read any kind of current DC books, even within the last couple of years, on what they've done with Superman's character? No, I've been out of comics, DC, Marvel, anything for a long time, just because like there's so much. And like, oh I've, yeah, no, for I've been sure. Out for too long. I think the last time I really was paying attention to comics and like buying comics was fucking the original Civil War and the uh, the New Fifty Two from DC after <laughs> nice. Final Crisis. <laughs> Well, basically, they did this thing where um, they're they're kind of blending Watchmen into the DC universe, right? And I knew so, about that because that was the end with the the uh, the fifty two uh, era stuff. It was like, yeah, like Doctor Manhattan showed up and it yeah, was and the all beginning of a rebirth experiment. and stuff like that. And of course, it's usually like I think it was Wally West Flash who like came through the wrong timeline. It was like nobody fucking remembers who I am. Yep, that was DC Universe or DC re- Rebirth, and so that was like the end of New Fifty Two and them them starting over with a new event called Rebirth. And yeah, and at the end of that, it showed the button from Watchmen. And so part of that with the Superman story is kind of spoilers for comics that are a few years old. But um, as Krypton was exploding, Dr. Manhattan pulled Jor-El away and basically made Jor-El like a uh, like a a messenger of sorts like kind of working for him to where Jor-El was just like showing up in the DC universe in different spots and just removing certain characters and then imprisoning him like in this other reality because basically there were certain events that Dr. Manhattan was trying to ensure would happen or wouldn't happen and if these characters were there it was too much of a variable and so eventually Superman comes into contact with his dad again and comes to find out that his dad isn't you know, this real benevolent figure that he always imagined him to be because at this point in Jor-El's life, he's gone through a lot of shit and, and he's wanting to take away Superman's son and basically take him around the cosmos and, and raise him to be more like what a true Kryptonian could be because Clark being raised by Jonathan and Martha Kent, he's not, 
he's like a weird blending of human and Kryptonian and it, and Jor-El's not all that thrilled about that. And so it's a really interesting storyline. But what was cool is when that storyline first came out, DC released it all with lenticular covers. And so I've got all five of those covers up on my wall and it's really nice. cool to look at them and yeah the you know. superman story for me as an anime fan back in the day is kind of parallel to like fucking goku from dragon ball z of like yeah and that's one of those sentence. properties i know nothing about but please go on because i'm intrigued with what you might say again. yeah because so in in dragon ball and dragon ball z goku you know he's an alien from a race of people called the saiyans and they were like a warrior race that just like they kind of like there's a whole backstory where they got uh, they kind of got semi enslaved by the space tyrant named Frieza who ended up blowing up their planet or whatever. And Goku, like Superman, was like one of the last people that got off the world just in time as a baby. And he got sent to Earth with the initial plan of like he's going to grow up and like take over the planet and like kill the people and conquer it. Oh, nice. Because then the Saiyans like that's very sell invincible. The yeah, because then the, the the Saiyans like would like conquer plants and then sell them basically as like oh, real estate up. more or less. But as a baby, like he was kind of a troublemaker. But then he like bonked his fucking head on a like a tree stump and fucking got amnesia. So like all the like uh, you know natural genetic Saiyan attitude fucking went away, and he became a fucking good guy. And basically, honestly, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> like he's definitely, he's, no, he's definitely like, and they've explored it more in the recent Dragon Ball Super. Like, he's a fucking man child. Like, he never had a day of formal education in, in his entire life. His whole thing has been about fighting, and it's not like, you know, oh, I want to fucking beat up everybody. It's more like, oh, I want to see if I'm, you know, I want to fight the strongest people. Why? Because. And multiple times that has resulted in like universe ending problems. Oh, jeez. Because <laughs> he like lets because he, he just lets people be like, oh well, I want to fight you at your strongest, so get stronger and fucking come fight me again when you're stronger, my man. And it's like no fucking, he's gonna blow up the planet. <laughs> and I'm only I'm only intro- I've only been introduced into it so much as when it comes up in like an argument or like a meme with being like, oh well, this guy could take out Superman. And I'm like, all right, what the fuck shit are you talking? I don't know Which enough also, about this. Also, no, like that, yeah, that's that's a fucking who would win a fight for fucking ages. And even though multiple people, my favorite and the one I believe and agree with is a YouTube channel called Death Battle. They just take two fictional characters. Oh, I've heard of that. Characters, yeah, they just do like who would win in a fight to the death. They analyze, you know, their abilities, their history, their weak strengths and weaknesses, and everything. And then we have a nice little like you know animated you know thing of showing like here's how the fight might go. And then there's a clear winner. One dies, one doesn't. And then we, you know, then they kind of do a post mortem of like so here's why. You know, they'll give like the character breakdowns of each, show the fight, and then be like so this is why this person won over this person. And yeah, one of the biggest ones they did way back, well, a few years ago, was Goku versus Superman. So much they've done it twice. Oh wow! Both characters, you know, it was before Dragon Ball Super, and it was before uh, New Fifty Two, the first time they did it. So then they incorporated the like you know the New Fifty Two version with the solar flare, the ability that Superman had, yeah, and Goku with the abilities, the new forms he had had at that time. Now Goku loses every time because their point is like Goku breaks through every limit, but Superman has no limit. Like, the power of the sun, Superman has no limit that you can overcome because he's just as strong, you know, like, official Superman sites is like, Superman is as strong as he needs to be. 
And he's just like, their point the second time around is like, Superman breaks this our entire series because he's not meant for this. Because he's just not built as a character who has limits and, you know, is something you can pit against somebody else. Like, who would win in a fight? Like, no, God, Superman is just, like, not built as that character. He's just the, like, trump card that if you ever get into a bind, you can just have Superman come in and fucking end it. <laughs> that that has always been the the answer to my question of when every anytime everyone's like, well, if you could have superheroes, what would it be? It'd be a Kryptonian power set, please. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Like, there's I, I, there's no other answer I, to that. No, there isn't because it's just the end all be all. I'm just like I'm God now. What about it? <laughs> That's certainly not the reasoning that I'm going for. I'm God now. <laughs> but just like you're. You know, without specific circumstances in place, you're indestructible. You're the most strongest and most powerful fucking thing in the universe. Well, yeah. It's like you, you truly have the, oh, okay, now now I can get lippy in traffic. <laughs> What's the guy going to do? Break his fucking yeah. fist against me? Exactly. I'm like, I've always been a Green Lantern fan. Like, if I could choose one, like, device in science fiction history to have, I would take Green Lantern power ring. Oh, that's a really good one, though, too. I mean, that's that's a powerful fucking object. Yeah, it's so fucking versatile as a thing. Like, you have a response to most any situation that could be thrown in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you just need to have the correct amount of willpower and everything to really control it. You know, otherwise, there's a run going on in the comics right now. It's, uh, it's a Batman book, and it's... um. Did you read any of the New 52 stuff of Batman with uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo? No, like I said, that was after I'd left because it was it wasn't even it was after Inf not Final Crisis Infinite Crisis okay. back in like 2004 2005 when I kind of stopped because like that's when they rebooted everything. We had that whole year of comics where there was no Wonder Woman, Batman, or Superman because they were like, look, we're just gonna take a year off and fucking like live a life for a while. Uh-huh. Everybody else figure out shit because like I was I started with that or I started paying attention to that run for a little bit because like. The question was a big uh, character at that, and I like the question. Okay. Yeah, and see, I haven't read a lot of the really old stuff. Like, the some of the oldest stuff I've read would have been New 52. Um, I, I've gone back and read select, like, Marvel runs that were older, like, especially in trade paperback and, like, Infinity Gauntlet and... And so uh, like whenever whenever they you know a movie's coming out with that title, and I'm like, I should probably figure out what that's about. <laughs> But um, so the the new 52 version of Batman, which was really critically acclaimed. Now there's a, a new book that that Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo have paired up for that they're saying it'll be the last Batman book they ever do. And it's called Last Night on Earth. And it, it's a futuristic, um, you know, story in itself. And the, there's these like at one point, all these power rings fell to Earth. And just regular people that didn't have the willpower to really use them correctly picked them up, and the the rings are kind of ruling them. And it's like the projections that these things are creating are like things of nightmares, and it's almost like the person is just being dragged along as like almost like a zombie behind the projection. Are it's they all Green Lantern? Crazy. Are they all uh, Green Lantern rings? Are they yes. uh, various rings across the spectrum? No, they're all Green Lantern rings. 
Oh, that's fucked up. It's way, that's the best way to describe this story. It's like a, it's an extra size number one issue. So it's like 50 some pages and it is so fucked up, but it's Scott Snyder and it's Greg Capullo. So it's drawn fantastically. And I have faith in Scott Snyder that he's going to give a good story. So I'm, I'm going to stick with it. And yeah, even though I haven't read anything from Scott Snyder, like his his stuff and Capullo are always like super high acclaimed. So it's like, yeah, I, I trust they'll do a good job. Yeah, yeah. If you have the DC Universe app, you can log on and read the whole run, and which I highly recommend anybody to do, or even just pick up the first trade because I the do, Court of yeah, Owls I is have amazing. The app and I need to do that because yeah, I got it just because I could rewatch fucking Justice League. And that I was why I originally got it too. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten it in a while because I was disappointed. So I was like, oh, where's the old fucking seventies and eighties Super Friend cartoons? Where's that shit? Oh, that'd be cool if they had that on there. Yeah, because I, I thought they were supposed to, or they're eventually going to. Because yeah, like I, I that was my before the '90s Justice League. That was Justice League I knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember having exposure to those cartoons when I was a kid. And but yeah, all Justice League subtly, and Justice League, all just, these something racist things like Apache <laughs> Chief and Samurai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of cartoons we were raised on. You go back and view them now, and you're like, oosh. <laughs> El Dorado. <laughs> Yeah, I remember watching that uh, that Disney movie when I was a kid. They had like the Tar Babies and stuff in it that I think they've stricken from the Disney vaults. Oh yeah, it's uh, South something Song of the South maybe. Yeah, Song of the South. Oh man, that's fucked up shit. <laughs> With the literal magical black man in it. Oh my god, how racist. <laughs> Well, at least society in general has evolved to where there's a large percentage of us that are now aware of that shit. <laughs> yeah, at the very least. Oh <laughs> uh, well, Dan, it has been a fucking pleasure talking with you, and I foresee us doing many more of these if you're down. Oh, I could do this. Like, this is one of my favorite kinds of things. It's just free forum, and you just talk about whatever the fuck. Where it's like, maybe you have a bullet point or two, but you just kind of free flow, let yeah. it kind of happen, and let it you know emerge as itself as a natural, organic process. <laughs> yeah, and it's been it's been a great one, dude. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you. And, and you, know, we've had lots of one on one conversations throughout the last couple of years at C two E two. So, so I knew it was going to go well going in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a t- you, you get me started, I'm a fucking talker. <laughs> hey, that is the best. <laughs> In terms of a show that's free-flow conversation, that is the best. <laughs> yeah, because you definitely have people who, you know, they will have, like, a, you know, if you're doing, like, strictly, like, movie reviews, you'll kind of have, like, a structure to it. You know, that's mine, too, is we kind of have a structure. We've been morphing into more of, like, open free-flow about the movie, but, like, you know, going scene to scene through a movie can sometimes be a little tedious. So, you know, I, I'm definitely liking the more organic feel to things. I knew that's what this podcast was. I've definitely listened to a few episodes. So I was really looking forward to it. And, yeah, we've had great conversations one-on-one at C2E2. And I'm looking forward to having more of these kinds of conversations uh, on the podcast. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and where can people find more of Dan Hepner? Well, I mean, if you really want to. I don't know why you would. But if you do want more of me... Um, on Twitter, uh, I'm at Mighty Megatron Zero, and then of course the podcast is called Leftover Army Monsters, Giant Podcast All Out Attack, and that's part of the larger Leftover Army podcast thread uh, that you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes. 
Awesome. And that is a fantastic show. Um, I've caught a lot of select episodes where it was movies that I've seen. And since then, I've gone back and started over from the beginning because I was like, all right, I'm just going to listen to them discuss movies that I may never watch. But let's hear what their takes are. (laughs) I will say, though, the one that we recorded uh, two days ago on Thursday, we struggled to get an hour of content worth out of it because the movie was not good. (laughs) Hey, sometimes that's the way it'll go, right? (laughs) <laughs> yep, sometimes. Look, yeah, like I said, it's a mixed bag. It, at the core, the genre is fucking silly. <laughs> well, this has been a great time, and uh, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, this has been StartCast. <laughs>